0: Quint History, where two best friends who are not professional historians tell you a story about history, because it's fun. Yeah. Morgan, how are you?
1: I'm so good. How are you?
0: That's. I am great. I am great. I had a wonderful weekend, and I have a very funny, nerdy story to tell you if you want to hear it.
1: I would love to hear it. Okay. So...
0: For y'all that listened to the uh, Battle of Athens episodes, um, because I still live close to where I was born and raised, we ended up going to a party of a friends of ours. They hold a party every year, and it's a beer pong competition in honor of their anniversary. And they had a beer pong competition at their wedding. They're really great people. So this year they hosted it at the building in downtown Athens that they are renting from some friends of theirs. And that building just so happens to be where the old Waterworks building location was on Jackson Street. And if you listen to the Battle of Athens episode, this is where Tom Gillespie was shot and where a lot of election fraud happened. And it was like a integral part of this story and i think it's really cool that like what is it 80 85 years later i'm just like in that room playing beer pong with some (laughs) friends yeah cool um so i was already at peak nerd at this party thinking about this right and my husband like he does starts talking to the owner of the building who was our age and, of course, they start talking about boats and other things. And he takes us into the back, the back, where he just has a bunch of stuff. And he was showing Nick. Well, I start wandering around. <laughs> and I start looking through books and books. And the dude's like, you can have whatever you want for 20 bucks." And I was like, bet. I am now in possession from a beer pong party. The Fall of Fortress Europe Reader's Digest Illustrated of World War II <laughs> History Buffs Guide to World War II D-Day <laughs> ACES Hi, it's about two fighter pilots in World War II The Great Commanders of World War II <laughs> And then <laughs> She's so excited, you guys World War I <laughs> And the best, the greatest war stories never told. Wow. I I am like holding these up to the camera to show Morgan like I'm Vanna White. <laughs> I mean, this one isn't just about like World War One or 2 It's got like, it had the Battle of Jenkins ear in it. Oh, really? It has like uh, America's Worst General, the Fever Factor, the War of Bad Timing, the Art of War burial ground chew on, I mean these are like the Christmas truce I think I okay. know about this one yeah I think so too uh, but so I leave this party <laughs> with a stack of history books in my hands like a fucking weirdo everyone's like what are you doing I'm like I have a podcast and it's hard to find books <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I'm so oh, happy for you. I don't know if you. I should be
0: like proud of myself or like, really You should. You more got concerned.
1: You got probably like $120 worth of books for $20.
0: Yeah, they are eight books.
1: Books are so expensive. Like I love buying books. It's definitely a guilty pleasure, but every time I buy books, I'm like,
0: "Oh, it's
1: so expensive."
0: Also, where do you put it? I've literally been asking for a saw for my birthday every year so I can build myself some bookshelves. Running out of space. (laughs) I get cheap ones from Walmart.
1: They're full of books anyway. You can't tell.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true. I need some, I need like built-ins because of the way my living room wall is. Yes. Okay, we can... Morgan, do you have any fun stories from this weekend?
1: I I do, actually. So um, one of my friends invited me to a Halloween like haunted soiree yeah. uh, in the Nashville area this past weekend. It was a lot of fun. I actually made a friend. One of the, the bartenders um, mm-hmm. lives in Athens. And I overheard no her telling shit. some people about it. And, you know, we did the, like, oh, my gosh, I love your dress. Oh, my gosh, I love your top. <gasps> you live in Athens? I'm from Athens. And she gave me free drinks, and it was really great.
0: Yeah. Is um, she, like, is she an Athens transplant? Did she move to Athens?
1: Yes. I think she said okay. she was from Meg's, which I don't want to, like, dox her or anything. But, um, oh, okay.
0: So she's not from far away.
1: No. But she's from the area. Oh. And I was, like, I went yeah. to... I went to Mittman County High School and she was like, Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, um, but it was a really cool night. Um we got to interact with like the actors. Uh we had to solve a yeah. mystery. Um that's right. Really I got cool. to the first thing we did is we were part of um there was like this room upstairs that was hosting like a little play of sorts. I got to act yeah. as a chicken. Um I tried out and I got the part, and tried I got to, to be the chicken. I got to go up on stage and act I like, like a chicken skull with its eyes burning with fire,
0: like an angry chicken.
1: And I had to give my best jazz hands.
0: Can you please, can you please act that out for me real quick? I want to know.
1: Oh, so when we were doing the audition, she was like the the actress who who was amazing. She came to me and she said, you, I feel (laughs) that you have a great talent. Let me hear your best chicken. (laughs) And I went, like, ah! (laughs) And then she went around the room and then she came back to me. And I was, of course, in the front row sitting next to my friend. um, Because there were two seats open and we're like, let's go sit in these two seats. Uh, And the rest of our friends were standing in the back. And she came back to me and she was like, try again. And I did again. She's like, with more power. And I went, but. And she like (laughs) threw her hands up in the air. She's like, yes, this is exactly what I mean. Such talent. And I got to go up on stage and act like a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then. uh, That's the best. Another girl in our group. uh, She actually got taken away. um, By one of the the actors and we're like, where is oh, no. she? Where, where'd she go? And they actually took her and gave her a tarot reading.
0: Ooh. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, I yeah. want to be swept away. I want to be stolen in the night just for a tarot reading and then <laughs> nicely placed back.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was really great. And we like, like, we thought we had to go find her. So like we went to some other places and we couldn't find her. Um and then we found her and she was like oh yeah they just took me for a tarot reading um the actor that was talking to us was like telling us part of the story and they like got like a feeling from her and were, like you I'm taking you with me so but yeah it was really cool I felt very like haughty Victorian because there were like dancers and singers and us just like gawking at like weird things happening and we're like ho 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 look at that fancy cocktail solving the murder mystery oh my god so.
0: that sounds wonderful it was
1: so much fun
0: there's uh, a murder yeah um i haven't done one of those in a long time i'm pretty sure i was in high school the last time i did like one of those murder mystery theater type yeah things was i with you
1: no i've did never gone together? to like a dinner I remember you oh, going, because it was in Chattanooga, right? Yeah. I remember you going, okay. there, but I didn't go. Yeah, um, I did. But it was so funny, because the next day, I actually did, like, a virtual one on my phone with another friend. And we walked oh, around cool. downtown Nashville. The It's um, a geo game. It's called Clued Up. Um, yeah. And you can, like, purchase the tickets, quote-unquote. But it was, like, months in advance. Um, Oh. But like the clues are like specific to your location. So like it like take us to a place like look around for a clue and we would have to like use our environment to like do clues. I had to scream into my phone in front of a bunch of people standing in line to go see Wicked. We were like waving our phones in the air to like create a defensive spell because it's Harry Potter themed.
0: Oh that's cool. But we got to walk
1: around downtown Nashville and it was really fun.
0: That sounds really fun.
1: So that was my weekend. I like it. I didn't do anything else except those things.
0: (laughs) That's a good weekend. It's a good weekend. It was also my husband's birthday weekend, so I made a cake. Yes. It's a chocolate chip cake with chocolate, cream cheese,
1: icing. Happy birthday, Nick.
0: Kyle's is on
1: Thursday. And I already already have his present. I can't make him a cake because he can't eat sugar, but... I got oh, him. His, I got him his present like months ago. This will come out after I his birthday.
0: But I got Nick a cake. <laughs> there you go. That's
1: fine. We we went <laughs> to go see fine. the the Barbie movie and yeah. Have you seen the Barbie movie yet? No. You need to go see it. You,
0: you know how I am with movies. I know, but I'll I procrastinate and then I'll never watch it.
1: I got him a sweatshirt that says "I am Kenneth," but it's like officially licensed Mattel.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it.
1: If you've seen the Barbie movie, you know what sweatshirt I'm talking about.
0: I know of the sweatshirt. I don't know 100% the context of it, but I I have seen it.
1: You need to see the movie. Next time I'm at your house, I'll bring it with me and we can watch it. Okay. Anyway, we're over 10 minutes into our intro.
0: (laughs) Damn it. Not again. (laughs) Okay, guys, I swear we'll get into this. Uh, let's do it. March 18, 1990, Boston, Massachusetts. Two security guards at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum were working the overnight shift. when Two police officers rang the buzzer at the door.
1: Boston PD, responding to a disturbance call. Please let us in.
0: The guard breaks protocol and allows the officers into the building. I'm sorry, officers, but there's no one here who made a call for help. Are you working alone tonight, son? No, no, sir. The other guard is out on his rounds. We're going to need him to come here. The guard calls the other guard over the radio. While the second guard is on his way, one of the officers says to the first guard, You
1: look familiar. I think there's a warrant out for your arrest. I'm going to need you to step out from behind that glass.
0: The guard does what he is told, all while professing his innocence. The second guard arrives at that time and the police officers handcuff both men. What the hell is going on?
1: Gentlemen,
0: this is a robbery. The robbery of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum is still the biggest art heist in the world. It's also one of the most mysterious and unsolved.
1: Oh, I love art heists.
0: <laughs> this <laughs> fucking story. Oh, my God. Okay. For one, listeners, this episode is coming out on national go to an art museum day. So go to an art museum today. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Uh, two, we almost went to this freaking museum, Morgan. We this did. This is the museum. This is the museum that we didn't know that all the tickets were, like, purchased because we should have, like, pre-ordered them. That's how unorganized we were in Boston, y'all. But we went to um, the bigger art museum. What's it called? Just the Art Museum of Boston?
1: National Art
0: Museum of Boston? Oh shit, I can't think of it now. But we went to one and it turns out they're basically beside each other. Yeah. Um and so we walked over there and we couldn't get in and I was really disappointed. I knew no- we knew nothing about this story. It was only a couple months later when we came home that Nick just happened to put on the documentary of this and we watched it and I was like, "I can't believe I didn't go in there." <laughs> I'm so upset. So I ended up rewatching the whole four episode documentary on this and uh, it's, it's a bit of a rabbit hole. So let's get into, first off, what the museum is before we go into the heist. So who is Isabella Stewart Gardner and why does she have a museum? So Isabella was born in New York City on April the 14th of 1840. And I got this information off of the website. All it just stated her dad. I don't know who her mother is. Okay, which is rude. But David Stewart was her father. Um and he imported Irish linen and then later made investments that made him and his family Wealthy. Okay. Wealthy. They lived on University Place in West Village, where Isabella was privately educated in New York and then finished abroad in Paris. Ooh. I know. Bougie. (laughs) So, while in Paris, a schoolmate, Julia Gardner, introduced Isabella to her brother, John Lowell? Lowell Lowell Gardner Jr. Um, But he went by Jack. So Jack Gardner. Okay. In 1860, just a few days before turning 20, Isabella and Jack married in Grace Church in New York City. They moved to his hometown of Boston, Massachusetts, and settled into Back Bay at 152 Beacon Street. And it was a bougie-ass house. And it was a wedding gift from her dad. I just got, damn, dad, next to you. (laughs) Yeah. Very nice. Jeez. Very nice. Anyway. So, in 1863, the Gardners had a son, John Lowell Gardner III, who they called Jackie, but died of pneumonia at less than two years old. Oh, I know. And Isabella, understandably went into a depression and one of her doctors told her that travel would help with that depression so jack took her to northern europe and russia and she realized that she just absolutely adored traveling So this would be the first of many trips abroad, later including Egypt and the Middle East between 1874 and 1875, and Asia between 1883 and 1884. And she loved to travel, and she kept elaborate journals of her visits. And she was drawn into the intellectual life of Boston and Cambridge, and in 1873, she attended the readings of Charles Eliot Norton, the first professor of art history at Harvard, which is really cool. And Norton then asked her to join the Dante Society, which is a society that promotes the study and appreciation of the life and work of Dante. I don't know how to say his last name, (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I just know him as Dante. Don't come at me. So from here, she began to study and collect rare books and manuscripts. And it all started with Dante's earliest works. But it then kind of started to expand into just other things in general. Artwork. old, Old stuff. So in 1884, Isabella and Jack visited the Palazzo... Barbaro in Venice, a Venetian palace owned by two Bostonians, Daniel and Ariana Curtis. This palace became a meeting place of a group of American and English expatriates. Yes. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Expatriates? Or Ex-Palace, including? Yeah. yeah. Including the painter's John Singer Sargent, James McNeil Whistler and Ralph Curtis, and a famous art connoisseur, Bernard Berenson.
1: Bernard. Of course, he's an art he's an art
0: critic. Yeah. Bernard. Bernard Berenson. And this palace became a major inspiration for Isabella to create the museum. Um, and then Berenson became her chief art advisor. So she really wanted a place where people could come and see just art from all over a real pioneer of her time for something like this um and berenson wrote about isabella that she quote she lives at a rate and intensity with a reality that makes others seem pale thin and shadowy so apparently she was a very outgoing person
1: vivacious
0: Vivacious. She makes other people look pale, thin, and shadowy. <laughs> okay,
1: and that's like I was just thinking. Like you guys, I feel like y'all have a lot in common. Like you literally left with a stack of books, like from a beer pong <laughs> party, and she Thank collected you. books. And y'all are both vivacious.
0: Thank you. Oh, this is the best compliment. <laughs> I'm going to hide now. I don't know what to do with compliments. (laughs) Um, So. (sighs) So she's just out there getting it. Just collecting all of her stuff. So December 10th of 1898. When she was 58 years old. I don't know how old her husband was. But Jack died of a stroke. Which is a big old bummer. But Isabella... Pursued, and six weeks later, she continued on with the plans to purchase a plot of land in the Fins and selected local architect Willard T. Sears to draw plans for her museum. And at the time, there were almost no other buildings in the area. Someone referred to it as basically a swamp. Really? Which is hard to, be- hard to imagine.
1: Yeah, because it's all super urban right now. Like, it's all developed. Yeah.
0: There's... We literally rode the train and basically ended up at the front steps of the bigger art museum. Like, it... Yeah. Incredible. Um, I want you to open the, next, the weekly skit again.
1: Hmm? Because
0: I forgot I have pictures. So, this first one is Isabella in 1850-ish, when she was around 10 years old. All right. And if you go down... That's Isabella and Jack in 1860, the year they were married. Okay. What a mustache. That is that quite, I'm all, quite a I'm mustache. I'm always going for the mustaches. Yeah. Yes. And then if you go down one more, these are the watercolor sketches of the museum from the architect. Okay. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's very beautiful. And it pretty much basically looks like that.
1: My only concern is like... Because it looks like it's open to the sky. That looks like marble flooring. It is flooring. not. Okay.
0: It is not. There is a glass
1: oh, okay.
0: ceiling on it. Okay, good.
1: Because yes. I was like, that's a lot of marble. And when it rains, um, that marble is just going to absorb all that rain. It's not going to go well. Yeah.
0: And when, um, when you see actual pictures of it, you'll see that those walkways are actually open. Oh, okay. So, they just kind of out there okay they would be in the elements if there was no roof right uh don't scroll down just yet you'll get into something that's later on okay Okay. so the museum the construction of that the construction of the museum began in 1899 and was completed in late 1901 she moved into the private fourth floor of the museum and devoted her life to to personally arranging the art she had collected throughout the galleries along with continuing to collect more pieces for the rest of her life she lived in the museum oh i know isn't that just like it was her life's work and this is hilarious to me she wanted to test the acoustics of the building before its grand opening because she would also host concerts and performances and stuff like that But the kicker was she didn't want anybody to see the artwork, see the museum, but she needed bodies in there to test the acoustics because sound bounces and it will sound different with people in the room. Right. So you know what her solution was? She called down to the school for the blind. Oh my God. And she had them come and listen
1: to the music. So I was thinking like she blindfolded people
0: no she just called blind people that's
1: hilarious
0: <laughs> but also how cool for those blind students yeah. to be able to experience something before anybody else literally ever has so yeah. I think it's really cool that is
1: really cool and it is very funny um yeah like, <laughs> no one can see what to have in store but yeah. you can you can
0: listen to it you can listen so, on January the first of nineteen o three, she hosted an invitation-only grand opening uh, celebration with music art and horticulture. The word "horticulture's back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All I yeah. thought about was the emu episode when I read <laughs> Horticulture. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a concert by members members of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Ooh ooh. And a dramatic unveiling of the interior courtyard garden. So that painting that you saw, mm-hmm. the interior is like plants. It's uh, all plants. I love that. It's beautiful. Yep. Yeah. And the next month, the museum was opened to the public. So over the next 20 years, Isabella collected art, organized concerts, lectures, exhibitions, everything in her museum. She did it herself. Unfortunately, in 1919, she suffered a stroke, Mm. but continued to receive guests into her museum for the next five years. She passed in 1924 at the age of 84. And this is where her interesting will comes into play. So she left the museum, quote, for the education and enjoyment of the public forever, end quote and she provided an endowment to operate the museum, stipulating in her will that nothing of the galleries should be changed and no items be acquired or sold from the collection. What she did, that was it. You can't add anything. You can't sell it off. If anything were to be permanently changed, including the building, I'm assuming if you like you know, change the wallpaper or tore a wall down or something. She said the entire collection should be shipped, crated off and shipped off to Paris and auctioned off and the money go to Harvard university. Wow. So she made sure that that building wasn't going, that
1: nothing was changing. She's like, it's going to be like the last time I saw it forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with, you know, Minor changes. Like, I think they've added a little, um, a place to receive the people in, like, maybe, like, a ticket booth area okay. or something like that. But they've added it kind of to the outside of the building, so it's not like they've messed up anything on the inside. Um, obviously, when this was built, they didn't have, like, central heating and air. They have since added stuff like that to preserve it, but right. they're not changing anything.
1: That's very interesting. Um, And, like, I can understand, like, her not wanting any of her very precious things to be, you know, sold or on loan or anything. That's very interesting. She's like, you can't obtain anything new
0: either. Listen, you hear those stories about, like, ghosts getting really mad about you changing their stuff? Maybe she just wants to haunt the museum Until, I don't know, she decides she doesn't want to anymore. She wants it just how she liked it. I mean, you know what? That makes sense. She's like, I'm
1: coming back here in the afterlife. And if you'll change my shit, I'm going to lose my shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just might as well sell it off and I'll wander the earth like uh, Stingy Jack. (laughs) Looking for my artwork. (laughs) All right. So. The heist. All oh, right. Do, do, do. I might add some like... Um, I just thought maybe it'd be cool if I added some...
1: Like a uh, sound suspenseful effect? Suspenseful music. Yeah. Oh.
0: Suspense. Oh. <laughs> heist. <laughs> um, and again, for time's sake, I don't have time to go through four hours worth of a documentary because that's basically how long this thing was. So if you want to watch the documentary i highly suggest suggest it they go into great detail about everything um and it's called this is a robbery and it's just on netflix okay there you go okay the heist so march 18th 1990 do you know what march 18th is It's St. Patrick's Day. Okay. I was like, my
1: brain was like Ides of March. So I was like, no, that's the 15th. (laughs) It's the 18th.
0: (laughs) Not that far back. St. Patrick's Day. So, (laughs) um, in 1990, the artwork that was stolen was worth over $200 million. Oh, my God. That makes you sick to think about, doesn't it? Let
1: me do the math. And when, when I say let me do the math, I mean, let me look that up really quick.
0: Let me Google the math.
1: <laughs> Sorry, this is picking... No, you are good. Uh, it's over $470 million today.
0: You mean to tell me that the, the artwork is worth half a... Bit? Billion? Almost half a billion. Billion? With a B? Billion. With a B. <laughs> sorry. I feel like I'm having the stroke. Not Isabella. Oh my god. Emily
1: went half a billion.
0: <laughs> Who was that? Doug Dome from Doug's Dome. Doug's Demidome. Home of the Dimsdale this <laughs> big old
1: hat. <laughs> Ooh, that's what you need to be for Halloween. Okay. Uh,
0: damn it, yes. Okay. <laughs> so um the museum was equipped with motion detectors. Um, so their movements were recorded. And um the director at the time was Anne Hawley. And she was, the poor woman, had only been the director for six months. Oh, no. When this happened. And she was brought in to bring the museum back to life. Apparently, at the time, the museum hadn't really connected with the community in a long time. And the previous uh directors just kind of, they just weren't doing it for the museum. So they brought her in. She was doing some really big things and then this happened. Oh, man. But she stayed on. She stayed on until 2016. So okay. she was a director for a very long time. Yeah. Um, I guess it would just be easier to get into. Um, Let's just go time by time and then I'll tell you interesting facts and then we'll get into some uh, theories. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. If you want to, a floor plan of the museum. Okay. And you're going to want to go to, I think it's... So, yeah, there's a new wing first floor.
1: New wing first floor?
0: Just start at the palace first floor. So, page four. Okay. Okay. So... And I don't know exactly where the entrances are that they took... Um, because I don't know, I'm sure they're not gonna tell you where the security office and stuff is. So right. um, yeah, bear with us on that. So at midnight, and I did not state this before, the robbery happened between one twenty four AM and two forty five AM on St. Patrick's Day, and it um a total of eighty-one minutes. They were in the building which is a long ass time by the way it is a long time so
1: i guess i just wanted to clarify it's like the very very early hours of saint patrick's day right
0: yes okay so it's
1: not like the town of boston is like super crazy after a night of saint patrick's day that this happened
0: well i think it was um a weekend oh okay and I think that there, cause that's actually part of it is that one of the reasons why this went off pretty much without a hitch was because I think the parade was going on or mm. had been going on and everyone was on the opposite end of town, all oh. the police officers and everyone was on the opposite ends of town. So there, it was like a ghost town gotcha. on this part of the town. Okay. So, So at midnight, Rick takes the first round. Rick is an important person in this story. Where a fire alarm goes off. I don't know what room the fire alarm goes off in. But he goes, while making his rounds, and shuts off the fire alarm. He then comes back to relieve the other guard at the office. But on his way, an an alarm... uh, motion detector or whatever alerts that he opened an outside door and then closes it back before going back to the office there's really no reason for that door to be open on his rounds and the door was opened and closed about 10 to 15 minutes before the thieves show up Hmm. and no one knows why because there's no good reason for that door to be open. I mean, why would you have it open? You're not trying to go outside. Right.
1: Unless it was to, like, signal. <laughs> she just gave she me. She quick,
0: f- guys. She quick.
1: She, she gave she me quit. finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. Why? <laughs> Your, I got the double pistol finger guns.
0: Double loaded finger guns. Um, so. Around 1245, two witnesses are walking home from a party, and they claim to see a car with its running lights on, parked next to the museum, and this car had two police officers inside, but it was a civilian car. Okay. And the car seemed to be something like a Dodge Daytona or something. I mean, nothing spectacular. And they thought that maybe it was some undercover cops. That they were going to bust a party because they were either on their way to a party or he- heading back from a party. And they were like, let's just go home. Mm-hmm. So they did. At one twenty-four a.m. So they've been out there for at least 45 minutes-ish.
1: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Um, the men approach the door. So two men in Boston PD uniforms pushed the buzzer and like in our skit they stated that they were responding to a disturbance call and requested to be let in now from the guard's perspective that would make sense a fire alarm went off earlier right but why now i'm just thinking about it why wouldn't the fire department show up anywho so the guard on duty broke protocol and allowed them through the employee entrance and apparently there's like two doors and like a glass for the guard to be separate from there's like a little waiting hallway thing with two locked doors so the guard broke protocol and let them into this little waiting area and the guards or the police officers were like are you working alone tonight and he was like no i've got another person making his rounds and they're like you need to get him down here right now while the second guard was coming down the first guard was you know like sitting there waiting and the police officer was like you look really familiar i think you have a warrant out for your arrest i need you to step around here so i can talk to you about that and they both apparently got arrested the office door was kicked in so i guess they were able to like get in there to open the other doors i don't know exactly the logistics of how all that happened but the two guards got handcuffed and apparently one of the thieves got real dramatic there for a minute and like leaned into one of their ears and was like gentlemen this is a robbery Ugh. I hate like that. leaned in and just said it like Ugh. like i'm just so imagining dramatic. it i hate
1: and i mentioned this when i was talking about my experience at the haunted house like i hate yeah. it when people talk into my ear like oh where i can God. feel like their breath in my ear i hate i hate it <laughs> like, oh i can't and i'm just imagining being absolutely terrified one Being accused of like having a warrant up for your arrest and being arrested by police officers when you probably didn't do anything, and then all this other stuff happening, and them going, This is a robbery.
0: Dead. I I, I I would die on the spot.
1: Hate, 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 hate it.
0: Also, like, maybe don't break protocol. Yeah. I know they look like police officers, but. Yeah. That's. And like, it is not. I don't
1: know. Like, you know, I, I understand, like, oh, these are cops. Like, yeah, there's something let going on. So I think, like, just in the future, like, the protocols, like, don't break protocol for anybody. Yeah. You
0: know. And one of the reasons that they pulled them away from the office is because the only there was a button in the office to call for help. Right. So they were luring them away from that. From the silent so alarm. The, yeah. Yeah. So the guards were then handcuffed. I Honestly, if it was me, I think I would have hit it anyway. Because if I'm really in trouble, what's more police officers going to hurt? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Anywho, they were probably stressed. I'm not. <laughs> you know. So... The guards were then handcuffed, and then they took them into the creepy-ass basement and tied them to pipes. Oh, no. Forty feet from each other, and, like, straight-up duct-taped their face. Okay, so go back to the skit. Oh, no. And now scroll down. Look how they duct-taped this man. That's Rick. Oh, my gosh. Poor oh. Rick and his...
1: He looks muzzled. Yeah.
0: Oh, and his, his super-long, curly hair is all taped, too. I know. And I mean, he could still breathe. His mouth wasn't even covered up. Like, I don't know why they taped him around the chin like that.
1: Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense. It looks like they taped over his nose, too.
0: And there's like a padding there. I don't know why.
1: Cause usually you user. tape over the mouth so they don't scream.
0: Yeah, no, his mouth wasn't taped up.
1: That's very odd. I don't understand that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know. And apparently one of the robbers kept going down and checking on the guards to make sure they were comfortable. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I can't hate them too bad now. So, all of that started at one twenty four a.m. Just as a recap. At one forty eight. The thieves climbed the main staircase and walked down the second floor corridor overlooking the courtyard and into the Dutch room. So they've started out down here. They've gone to the west cloister to go up the stairs. Mm -hmm. We're going to page five. They've gone down the hallway into the Dutch room. Okay. And... In the Dutch room, let's see, one thief leaves the Dutch room at 1.51 a.m., so just a couple minutes later, and goes through the early Italian and Raphael rooms and into the short gallery. So they've basically gone to, one of them has gone to the opposite end of the second floor. Mm Mm-hmm. And they can't really tell exactly what's going on, only that there are motion detectors in these places. Right. So in at 154 alarms trip back in the Dutch Room. And this is when the thieves have begun to remove artwork from the walls. Supposedly. At 156, the alarm suggests that both thieves are now in the Dutch Room. So one of them has gone back into the Dutch room. At 2.08, one thief goes back into the short gallery. The only thing I can think of is maybe they needed to, like, talk about something of, like, what to get. Yeah. Because these rooms are full of artwork. And one thing you'll see is they went for just... They weren't just, like, grabbing things off the wall. They bypassed tons of things that were worth even more. To get to specific things. Hmm. So. Between. 209. And 2.26 a.m. It's a mystery 18 minutes. None of the alarms go off during this time. Um, They do know one thief is in the short gallery. One is in the Dutch room. So I guess they were both in there for about 20 minutes. Doing their thing. 2.27 to 228 at least one thief is in the dutch room they know that for sure at 228 to 240 another mystery section of minutes detectors registered nothing at 240 the inside door opens and closes and then at 241 the outside door opens and closes so one of them has left at 2.45, four minutes later, uh, the inside door opens and closes again, um, suggesting that they left at two separate times,
1: mm-hmm.
0: four minutes apart from each other. And the th- so, like I said before, the thieves were in the building for a total of 81 minutes.
1: That's crazy that it took so long <clears throat> because, like, they tripped alarms, Right. Like it wasn't just they the motion.
0: motion detectors,
1: but there weren't the only any...
0: alarm. Oh, okay. The security at this place was not the best. They basically just relied on the security guards to mm. trick the alarm. Um, and I was going to get to this in a minute, but we can get to it now that the, at the time, the, Central heating and air hadn't been installed in the building yet and it was imperative that they get to that first to save the works of art. But in doing that, because the new director had only been there for six months, she she had all these plans, she didn't have the time to get into the security issues and the central heating and air at the same time. Right. So she basically which is what I would have done, pick the central heating and air first and then we'll beef up the security.
1: Yeah. Cause because it is mean- even in the nineties, yeah. like security cameras weren't really a thing. Yeah, I'm, I mean, they I'm sure had, there yeah. were some, but they it wasn't like it is now where they're very commonplace. Like
0: and good, and good, I mean, yeah. this is we're talking 1990s technology that it's all blurry. Yeah. So, real fast, let's get into the um, missing pieces of art. Okay. So out of the Dutch room. Uh, They stole Rembrandt's Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. And it is Rembrandt's only seascape. Wow. Yeah. Uh, They took Rembrandt's A Lady and Gentleman in Black. Both of those are very sizable pieces of art. Very sizable. And they were... This hurts me. Because I love art. They were cut from their frames Mm. you could see in the pictures pieces of the canvas on the corners they just cut it out that makes me so i know so in still in the dutch room vermeer's the concert and there are not a lot of vermeer's in the world uh Flanks landscape with an obelisk and a small self-portrait etching by Rembrandt. They were all removed from their frames. Not cut, but physically like unscrewed and removed. Um, and then an ancient Chinese bronze goo or a beaker, basically like a little, kind of look like a flower vase. Okay. Um, it was the oldest piece taken. And it was just swiped off a table. In the short room, there were five Dagus drawings were taken. And they were all of, like, people riding horseback or things like that. And they were smaller. Probably, I don't know, smaller than a piece of paper, kind of smaller. Okay. Um, and I think they might have been taken whole. Because the frames also weren't very bulky. But then in the blue room, Monet's Che's, Tortoni was taken as well. And it was um, taken whole. It wasn't cut. But I think the frames were left. Okay. Out of even maybe the Degas drawings, maybe the frames were left and they just took the artwork. Um so some really interesting things throughout the um, night. So according to the documentary, at the the night shift, nothing really ever happened, and the guards kind of were notorious for just kind of letting their guard down, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Rick and Randy were the night guards at at the time. So. It was really interesting, the the paintings. <laughs> so the paintings were cut out instead of screwed out, which you would think as uh, someone, I don't know a whole lot about art. I appreciate it. Don't know finer details. Apparently, according to the documentary, it is actually kind of more time consuming to do that because of the different layers of canvas that there is. Mm-hmm. So it's almost better to just unscrew it or take the whole damn thing
1: yeah because but yeah i watch um there's this youtuber i watch and he does fine art restoration um they're really nice videos they're very comforting um but he like most canvas are just like tacked so if like He's very careful, of course, but these people don't sound like they were being very careful. So they could probably honestly no. just rip the canvas off of the frames because they're just tacked. They're not even nails. They're just little tacks. Yeah. So Yeah.
0: But they decided to take them off the wall and instead they just cut it out and went on. Yeah. And... There was another painting that was taken off the wall, which was Rembrandt's self-portrait painting. So there's like a small one that's like the size of a postcard that was stolen. And then there's a really big self-portrait painting. The smaller one was just a sketch. The, the bigger one was um, a full painting. Okay, And it was taken off the wall, but it wasn't stolen. Okay. Yeah. So the FBI claims that the thieves knew what they were doing, that they were obviously prepared and knew what they wanted to get. um, Because some of the things that they grabbed were not worth near as much as the other things. And I just realized I did not say one of the things. Um, Another thing that was stolen was a bronze eagle finial from a neo. Neapol...
1: Neapolionic.
0: Polyonic.
1: Napoleonic?
0: I don't know. Like, Neapol... Yeah, Napoleon. Thank you. Flag. Oh, okay. Uh, a flag topper. Yeah, in like a In the shape standard. of an eagle. Yeah. 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 Google it, y'all. It's a finial. <laughs> um, so, they think they were out of time because they didn't actually unscrew... All the screws, I think they eventually just, like, ripped the last screw out or something. Because they did take it. Okay. But c- compared to all the other things, that thing was almost worthless. Yeah. That could have been taken. So why that? Okay. So back to this. Um, So the sketch of Rembrandt, like I said, was the size of a postcard. Yeah. The frame it was in. Was no bigger than, like, my computer screen. Small. Yeah. Easy to just pick up and walk out. They took the time to take it out of the frame.
1: This is very strange.
0: So strange. So strange.
1: Like, I feel like at that point, it could almost, like, fit in the pocket or something. Like, why? Yeah. Why go through all the trouble to... Yeah,
0: why waste the time?
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, I kind of understand not cutting it out because it's already really small. Yeah. um, Like the bigger canvases, like, you'd be losing like maybe an inch or two on each side of a big canvas. But overall, for the whole painting, it wouldn't impact that much. Whereas with a smaller painting, you're losing an inch on each side and it's like half the painting. So I do yeah. understand why they wouldn't like just cut it out. But still, like, why not just take the whole thing with you?
0: Yeah, tuck it up under your arm. It's going to be even harder just to carry the big Rembrandts than it would be without a frame, than it would be to just pick that up and go. Right, and I'm sure they had bags with them to, like, carry everything in. Had to have. The next section is called "New too much, question um, mark. So when the police arrived the next morning, and what I didn't tell you is that those poor guards stayed in the basement until 8.15 in the morning. Oh no, those poor guys. I know. They were there. Okay, at 2.45, for reference, guys, is when the thieves left. They were there for like six more hours. Oh.
1: And the, the, was it Randy that's photographed? Rick. Rick. Um, he just looks so sad. Yeah. Wait, so was Rick the security guard that opened the outside door? Yeah. Are you going to get into that?
0: Uh, I might touch on it a little bit. Okay. Why? What do you have?
1: I just, like, because earlier when I said that, like, opening the door and then closing it seems like it would be a signal yeah. And then he was taped up but his mouth was not covered and like the the thieves like kept checking to make sure they were okay. Like, I don't know. It's just
0: It seems suspicious, doesn't it? It does
1: seem a little suspicious. And like maybe he was like the fall guy for an inside job. Like the um like, made to look like a victim when he could have been in. I yeah. don't know. Like, I'm not going to ex- accuse him of being a part of it. Of I course. I don't know. Of but course. Yeah. That just... that. Oh,
0: I'm thinking the same thing. I'm on the same page with you.
1: But I'm not going to...
0: It does seem very suspicious. Accuse
1: him of a right. crime when there's no evidence. And he has not so, been convicted of a crime.
0: <laughs> correct. Correct. And the the documentary, actually, there was an interview with him. So... Okay. He still claims that he had nothing to do with it. And the more you kind of, I'll get into it. I'll get into it. But let me tell you how they were found because I feel so bad for them because, okay, so the guards were found in the basement at 815. The guards that were coming in for their morning shift, um, weren't being let in by the night guards, So they were like, what the heck is going on? Why is nobody letting us in? So they called the chief of security. Chief of security came down, opened the door and they found the security cameras had been moved. The office door had been busted in. A frame was found in the office. One of the paintings frames was found in the office on the desk chair and a crowbar was leaning against the wall and that's when they called the police. And this was probably 7.45-ish.
1: Okay.
0: When they finally, 7.45, 8 o'clock. So when the police got there, they they decided to start at the top and work their way down, <laughs> which I'm sure is <laughs> protocol. But those poor guards could probably hear everyone just down in the basement. They're just having to wait for them to work their way down to them. And oh, I felt wow. so bad. But, um, they were very creepy looking basements. The documentary showed them, um, they referred to them as the tunnels. Ooh. Don't do that. Don't do that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Mm-mm. So that's when they, uh, I'm still just looking at
1: like this poor guy with his face duct tape. <laughs> and it looks like he's got like a fanny pack. Like, his yeah. shirt isn't even fully buttoned up. It looks like his shirt has, like, gummy worm pattern on it or something. Like,
0: <laughs> very 90s. Very 90s. Um, okay, scroll down one. And this is a printout I was- of the 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 Uh, motion detectors uh, right the motion detectors yeah and you can see investigate immediately i was looking at this and it's very
1: scary honestly (laughs) because it it has like the date and then like the time that each of it goes off and like where it happened and it just says someone is in the dutch room investigate immediately over and over and over again it's kind of scary
0: honestly someone is in the dutch room And one says status alarm, status normal, status alarm, Mm -hmm. alarm. You know, it's so weird. Okay, go down one more. And this is a crime scene photo from after the heist. Wow. I mean, look at the frames. You can tell, like, yeah, that's the last one I have. Um... If you look closely, you can see some of the canvas where, like, it was cut from the bigger one.
1: Yeah, like, that, what's drenched on the drench, draped over the table.
0: Yeah. Well, no, not draped over the table. It's, like, still tucked in the corners of the frame. Oh, okay. Because they just cut it straight out of the frame. So it's oh. still... You can kind of see a little bit... I mean, they did cut it very close. Yeah. Which I guess I can... But... It was so wow. weird. That's the Dutch room.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, there's okay. still, like, a bunch of art on the walls as well.
0: So oh, this very... place is, like, loaded with art. So, it's still just bizarre to me. Like, why? Why? I don't know. Why these? Unless there was already an order for them.
1: That's what I was just thinking. Like, what if, like, they went in and, like, I don't know, took pictures of something and, like, had a buyer and was like, I want these specific pieces of art for my collection. And then they went in and did the deal. Yeah.
0: Listen, if I hired somebody to get me some art and they cut it, fight. Right there. (laughs) I don't even like to, like, highlight my books. I know. Don't cut hundreds of years old pieces of artwork. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, when the police arrived the next morning, they found that a hidden door that was behind one of the paintings was slightly ajar. And when I say hidden, I mean, it was just like a wall panel hidden door. Who would know about that door? Mm. The thieves knew where they kept the VHS tapes for the security cameras <gasps> and took the tapes. Oh my God. But there was a backup. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the alarm for the Rembrandt painting went off. But okay, so I guess there might have been an alarm. Of some form. I don't know if the alarm went to the police or if the alarm went to the security people. Yeah. But the alarm for the Rembrandt painting did go off and they just continued on what they were doing. Seemingly confident that no one was coming. And one really, really interesting thing is that the data shows that the thieves never entered the blue room. The blue room was the only one where uh that that was on the first floor. Mhm. And the blue room was the one that had the um I think the Chase Tortoni?
1: Yeah, but they never
0: went into it. No, the only person that went into the blue room was Rick mm-hmm. when he was when he was shutting off the fire alarm earlier that night. Before the thieves even showed up. Mm, that Again, is interesting. we're not saying definitively it was Rick. That is
1: just an interesting it is
0: suspicious.
1: happenstance.
0: <laughs> yes. And... So, again, so if the thieves ever went in there, how was something stolen? Because room, yeah. we did see earlier that night that the motion detectors were working. Now, granted, the security at this place was not very good. And one of the previous uh, guards did an interview and said that some nights, the they just kind of didn't work that great. Okay. So, but... The possibilities of them not working at that moment weren't very high, right? Okay. And a few months before that, Rick had led a few people into the museum around midnight on New Year's Eve. Oh man! And he was kind of notorious for being high. He was in a band and did did the drugs and the drinking and all that stuff. So. And he had already put in his two-week notice before this happened. Wow. So, did the thieves know that Rick would let them in? Also, another thing is that Rick and some of the other security guards said that... um, they were complaining about the security there saying that it wasn't good enough and Rick Even said in his interview that it was very possible that he complained about it to the wrong person yeah at like a party and they overheard and they heard that it had you know was going to be you know like what I'm lack
1: security
0: yeah yeah and 1981, time machine, back it up a little bit. They were warned that there was a possible robbery. They were warned by the FBI because the FBI caught the guy before he was able to rob the museum. So they already had a threat to begin with nine years prior. But the director at the time just brushed it off with the, well, they caught the guy like mentality. Right? Mm-hmm. So, when the new director took over in December of 1999, like, like I said before, she didn't have time to catch any of this stuff up. And the FBI claimed that they had spoken to multiple people throughout the years who claimed they had scoped the museum out before. Because art, art theft was wild at this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they, people were using it as, like, get-out-of-jail-free cards because if you were a criminal and you were convicted of this crime, but there's this historic piece of artwork that's been missing and you know where it's at, you can use that the as FBI, leverage. they'll work with you because yeah. they want that art back. So you can get a sentence reduced by half, I mean, even more. So... Unfortunately, when the FBI finally did show up and not just, like, the police to the scene, um, evidence had been tampered with. Mm. So, the duct tape around Rick's hands went missing. They could have got fingerprints off of that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Doors had been opened or closed, so agents didn't know what doors the thieves went in and out of and couldn't really get, you know, so, because 1990s.
1: I feel like there were multiple opportunities to dust for so like with the frames and
0: yeah stuff. I don't know. Anyway. anyway they just didn't <laughs> do a good job. And I remember them saying that the FBI agent that was um, on the case was like, twenty six years old,
1: okay, so it's little baby. little
0: green in the horns, yeah potentially. Just a little bit potentially, and witness wit- what was that word oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> God. <Okay>. <laughs> so <laughs> so witnesses claim that the sketches of the thieves looked nothing like the people they saw, um but then others. Later on said that they did. And I'll explain that later. But also, the witnesses were interviewed, like, one time and then were never contacted again. It was like, they just didn't. No follow-up at all. No. And the museum doesn't think that, uh, that it was getting the FBI's full attention. Yeah. Because... I mean, to the point to where a security tape was released for the first time in 2015. Wow. 25 years later. No one had ever seen it before. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was released to the public to be like, do you know this person? And it turned out to be like an employee or something like that. But why, what else was withheld from the public that could have helped?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason they have like America's Most Wanted and those types of TV shows to like help the public or the public can help.
0: At the time, the same week of the robbery, there were huge indictments of the Italian and Irish mob in Boston going on at the same time. So the FBI was a bit distracted. That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, because the FBI were set out to destroy the mobs. And, like I said at the time, art was used as international currency, sentencing, reducing collateral, paying mob debts, buying guns, or just bargaining chips in general. So, theories as to what happened. Inside job, question mark. Uh, so, yeah, some theorized that Rick had poked his head out to, like, signal to the thieves that he was about to take over the desk and, like, we're good to go. And, let's see, was there anything I haven't mentioned about Rick? Nope. Basically, party Rick was either in on it or was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. So... The Dr. No Theory. And the Dr. No Theory is a rich guy paid someone to steal them. Okay. So they could have them for himself. Going full James Bond. But the problem. Full James Bond. And that's what they called it in the documentary. The Dr. No Theory. Um, But the problem with that is that the thieves would see the reward. Because what I didn't tell you is that there was. Right after that happened, they put a $1,000,000 reward for any evidence that would lead to the paintings. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that the thieves would see the reward and then rat out whoever hired them and then cash out. And then they basically get paid twice, right?
1: Potentially.
0: I mean, unless what they were getting
1: paid they're like now nah, we don't need that extra million
0: you know true true and i also put unless they were killed like
1: <laughs> that's also you know yikes but that's also yeah. a possibility yikes. yeah or the, so the art was more important than the money cuz again like they didn't steal the most valuable things they sold very right. they stole very specific things so i wonder if they're like The money isn't as important as this art that we stole.
0: Exactly. Maybe. So, you also... You can't sell these on the open market. Everybody knows what they are. Yeah. So, they either had a buyer already lined up or some form or way to not dispose of them, but to get them, you know... Regardless of whether it's a doctor, no theory, or they had a plan for them already. And so Miles Connor. So he was a local known art thief. His father was a police officer. His stepbrother was a police officer. And his other brother was a priest. Mm-hmm. And he was a rocking rock and roller art thief. <laughs> A roller color art thief. A roller color art
1: thief.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so, no, but he was like in a band and stuff, and then like stole art from this, like on the side. Um, Wait. But he swears he had nothing to do with it. Was when? he in a band with Rick? I don't think so. Okay, that'd be very interesting. But how funny! If they were in the same band, you know. You know what? Boston isn't that big. They could at they least be in the same scene. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. But he swears he had nothing to do with it because he was in jail for another heist at the time. Oh, well, there you go. He had stole. Oh, it was the Museum of Fine Arts. That's oh, okay. the name of the museum. So he had stolen a Rembrandt from the Museum of Fine Arts.
1: Man, these guys are just going after the Rembrandts.
0: Poor Rembrandt, I know. I mean, I bet he's flattered though, from the grave. I mean, he has art worth stealing.
1: He's like, they're trying to steal my art, no one else's.
0: Kiss my ass, man. Go. <laughs> they're not stealing your shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Monet. Well, actually, I think one of his tickets stolen. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so he played in he played rock and roll and stole art, which is a weird combo, but whatever. <laughs> so they rock and roller cooler. They interviewed him. Like he's in the documentary. <laughs> really? That's that's really funny. Yeah. So So there's that. And all of this that I'm about to say has been going on for years, the investigations and stuff like that. Again, We don't have four hours, so sorry. Uh, Watch the documentary if you want finer details. But Miles, while he was in jail, had a kind of petty art thief acquaintance. Um, So Miles had this trailer, and it was like a 18-wheeler trailer. That he kept a lot of his stuff in while he was in jail. And we're talking stuff that he stole. <laughs> and Miles had this, I guess, buddy. That while he was in jail, um, this guy by the last name of Youngworth would take care of his stuff. So he was a caretaker of the stuff while he was gone. But the caretaker was selling the stuff while Miles was in jail and making money off of it. mm So the caretaker comes forward and says that he has information about the stolen art. So one agent convinced the caretaker to show him one of the pieces as proof because he's like, you can keep telling us you have these paintings and stuff all day long, but we're not going to believe you unless you give us something to work with. Right. And So Youngworth takes him to an undisclosed location where he shows him something, a painting that looks like the Sea of Galilee rolled up in a tube. I'm in pain. But the agents couldn't tell if it was a forgery or not. Um, But if y'all don't know, again, it's not like a piece of paper. If you roll these old as paintings up. They're already cracking. Mm-hmm. You will just crack all of the paint off of them. Yeah. It's so now, all I'm thinking is, like, even if they are still out there, they're ruined.
1: You're going to have to put them back together like a jigsaw puzzle.
0: Yeah. If you have all the pieces of paint. So, they were then sent pictures of paintings... But it was too inclusive to act on. Then they were sent paint chips that seemed accurate as far as like timeline wise. But the color wasn't right. And the FBI felt like it was giving into extortion if they gave anyone else immunity for paintings. So that that lead kind of just fizzled out. They still don't know if those were, you know, real or not.
1: So I actually just looked up the Sea of Galilee painting. Um, you can buy it yeah. for two hundred and fifty nine ninety nine
0: on Wayfair dot com. Oh no! Nice. Um, okay.
1: <laughs> but it actually says, like in the the little info page on Google, that the location is the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum until nineteen ninety. I just thought that was ah uh-huh. like it, spe- it specifies it. Um, but it was painted in sixteen thirty three. Emily is deceased.
0: <laughs> someone out there. in Just an old house. Probably next to like, I don't know, a field. In 1633, just... Painting. Yeah. And it lasted this long.
1: Hundreds of years. And someone went
0: and fucked it up. Isn't that what
1: always happens? <sighs> Yes, that is six
0: hundred or three hundred and sixty years. Oh my god. Three sixty? Someone turned his life around.
1: <laughs> but not for the better.
0: I know. Uh if you look really closely at that painting, Rembrandt painted himself in the boat. Oh really? And it's looking back he's looking back at you. It's really cool. Is he the one holding his cap? Yeah. Okay. He painted himself in there.
1: <laughs> Isn't it cute? That is really cute. These these guys are in for it.
0: They're not having yeah, a good time. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus is just chilling. Yeah, he's just chilling. He's just chilling. like, I don't know why y'all are worried. We ain't gonna sink. And they're like, we're gonna sink. We're one not guy's gonna sink.
1: literally vomiting over the side <laughs> of the ship. I mean, it is a beautiful painting. It is.
0: There's so much movement.
1: I was literally just about to say the movement of it, the water, like the spray, all these poor men like hanging on for their dear lives.
0: Oh, he is throwing up at me, poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus has literally got the, like, bruh, why did you wake me up for this look?
1: Yeah. Well, you I mean, that's what happened in the story, right? Like, he was napping, and they're like, Jesus, save us! And he's like, yeah, leave I me alone, so. I'm trying to nap. I'm like, please! And then he, like, lifts his hand, and, like, the water is immediately calm or something. I don't know, it's been a long time since I've listened to Bible stories. It was
0: probably like, those waves were rocking me like a little baby. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Anyway. you ready? To, you ready to get into the last theory yes and more than likely what happened sure it was the mob oh yeah the mob that makes sense my voice cracked um okay so no (laughs) the mob um (laughs) another theory um since the mob was being slowly destroyed by the police and kind of from the inside out they decided to steal from the museum To continue to make money or to barter for lesser sentences. So, a member of the Italian mob. And I'm going to do this as best as I can, guys. (laughs) The member of the Italian mob, Bobby Donati, was friends with Miles Connor. They were all connected in Mm. the art thief world. So, Bobby Donati was going to barter the paintings to get a mob leader out of jail. And the FBI had already been following Bobby after the theft um for other things, but then they after a couple of years they they were like I think he might be the guy. Undercover agent learned that very soon before the theft, Bobby had showed up somewhere called the Shack with a paper bag that contained two Boston police uniforms. But Bobby was murdered September 24th of 1991. Oh, damn. And Miles, Connor, claims that the whole thing was set up by, by Donati. So Miles claimed that he knew that Donati had set it up. But here's my little theory. Miles was in jail at the time. Donati needed a place to hide the paintings. Where else better if he knows that Miles is in jail than Miles' own trailer? Yeah. Well, then the caretaker starts selling shit. So I think at least, and some of them, I I don't think were in there, but this is just me. I could be very off. I am not an FBI agent, okay? But I think it would be really interesting if, like, Donati hit some of the paintings in the trailer and then the caretaker found them. And then that's how all of that was connected. I mean,
1: that would be crazy. And, like, the, the caretaker just was like, oh, here's more paintings. I'll just sell them on the black market, too.
0: Yeah. And that's why they've never But then been he realized found. that, yeah. But I think he knew at least some of them. Probably, maybe. But, okay. So, Donati had this group of people that were notorious for stealing things and other various... Mob-related crimes. Yes. Um, And one woman said she was helping her brother-in-law, who was part of this group, hang a a small portrait in uh, her brother-in-law's bedroom. It was a fucking Chase Tortoni. Oh, wow. And he, her brother-in-law, had died soon after that from a cocaine overdose. And she never saw the painting again. Oh, but she didn't know that it was the, the chase until yeah. after. I mean, yeah. she was just like, man, that is!" she literally called it the ugliest painting she's ever seen. <laughs> she calls it the chase tortellini. Oh my gosh. Uh, I like her. That's so funny. Yeah. So her brother-in-law is one of the men that is claimed to look, and he does, by God, he looks just like one of the police drawings which is super weird that is that is really? weird it's weird so some believe that he was found dead and then the group took the painting back so another person in this group turner his last name's turner was later seen with the pulling a vase that looked like the chinese one out of his trunk because they were watching the group Ooh. um and before that he had purchased a bunch of Equipment from a spy shop in Miami spies totally spies spy kids <laughs> um so <laughs> so they were able to get um someone in there to wire to, with a wire to infiltrate the group and they were able to bust them for potential crimes. they all denied being involved with the museum um and sting after sting was set up to like. Arrest them for something and then be like, walk away right now if you tell us where the paintings are. No one ever fessed up. Wow. So they had another lead to one of the members' houses. The whole SWAT team showed up and they didn't find anything. They found some suspicious stuff, but they didn't find, you know, anything. And it's hard to believe that none of them would use the paintings to get a shorter sentence because the ones that weren't killed, because some of them died. Some of them went to jail. They could have just said, I know where they're at. Let me out of jail or whatever. But David Turner stayed in jail until like 2022. I mean, he he was only recently let out. And one guy in the group who was Donati's friend was dying. And his wife said that he needed to get rid of the painting. So they met up with someone else and like got rid of the paintings before that guy died of cancer. And then, so in 2012 on the anniversary, the FBI made a statement that they were confident that they knew who did it, but all parties were dead. Oh man. So they still don't know where the art is. Um, some of the people in that crew I think most of them are dead. I think it's really just Turner that's alive now. And some died by, like, murder, mysterious death yeah. kind of a thing.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, if you're tied to the mob, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. I
0: don't think the and mob has
1: a retirement plan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they don't. You you either die or you're just rich and you go buy an island somewhere, I think. Yeah. I think that's the retirement plan. So, apparently, in 2021, a local Bostonian jewelry appraiser said that a couple weeks after the heist, Bobby Donati, who he was friends with, came in and showed the appraiser the finial and asked how much it was worth. Oh, but he didn't come forth forward with that information. The appraiser didn't until five years prior to 2021, uh, because he feared for his life. I mean, makes from sense. Donati. Yeah. Fair. Even though Donati was dead a long time ago, there's still connections. Yeah.
1: So you don't you don't rat out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the artwork today, like I said, none of them. Had ever been found. They do have the empty frames. Hanging as placeholders. Oh, that's so For sad. the missing art. It is sad. You you walk through and there's just empty frames.
1: Yeah. It's just I like. Hate that. This was here. But I mean I also think it's yeah. like important to the. I understand it as like. A history of the museum in and of itself. Like yeah this happened. And it really sucks. And yeah. we lost some beautiful valuable works of art. And we're going to include that in the history of this museum. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: the missing artwork still remains a top priority for the museum, FBI, and the U.S. Attorney's Office. The museum is offering a $10 million reward for information leading directly to the safe return of the stolen works. And if you can only find one, you get part of that. Yeah. So, you know. So anyone with information about the stolen artwork should contact Director of Security Anthony Amore at 617-278-5114 or email them at reward at GardnerMuseum.org. Confidentiality is assured. Right. And at that, we are done. Ooh, that was so
1: interesting. Thank you, Emily, I for know, sharing that welcome. story. <laughs> oh man it's a wild ride it very much is like i love learning about art heists but they always make me sad
0: (laughs) yeah me too because they're not always recovered or they're damaged yeah and i think my okay you know how there's that tiktok trend going around about like what's your roman Empire? Like how often men think about the Roman Empire? Oh uh, yeah. Do you know about that? I've come to realize that my Roman Empire is the Nazis stealing all of the art <laughs> out of Europe. I think about that missing art all the probably time. at least three times a week. That's, I think about it all the time. That's
1: so funny. <laughs> I know. Where did it go? What priceless <laughs> so treasures! Much- like, the the Amber Room. What happened to the Amber Room? What I need happened to know? the Amber
0: Room? The statues, the artwork, everything that wasn't hidden got just yanked. And, like, where, where did it go?
1: It's all in underground bunkers. They're underwater. probably
0: flooded now. Yeah. That, fuck I, the Nazis. Fuck the
1: Nazis, man.
0: And apparently the mob, too. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> the model's fine. Got <laughs> it. I'm cutting it. <laughs> Don't come at me. Literally. <laughs>
1: um, I was going to say, now it's your turn to cover a bunch of World War II stuff. Now you got all those books.
0: I do. I might, uh, you know, maybe some World War One. There you go. Maybe I might just flip to. A random one of these. An Army of Two. This one sounds fun. Actually,
1: I picked up a book at Sam's Club. I think I showed you this. But it's an entire... It's a very thick book. It's called Stupid History. And it's just filled with, like, paragraphs of dumb things that have happened in history. So...
0: I love that. (laughs) Maybe that should be a bonus episode of just, like, crazy... I just read
1: from this book. Like... This happened, and then this happened, and this happened. the The biggest issue I have with the book is that there's no organization to it, so I can't look up like, it's not in order by year, it's not like it's not in chronological order. It's not in like grouped by like area or time period. Uh-huh. It's just random events and so like i can't like look up something specific
0: (laughs) there's no index or anything there's no index i was about to ask if there was nothing no
1: i think there's a bibliography but maybe but there's no index
0: you're gonna have to go and like get sticky notes and then just in a row and write what is what on there i know that sounds painstaking It it
1: is. I haven't. I bought
0: it, but I haven't really looked through it yet. But anyway,
1: we are almost two hours into this episode. Shit.
0: (laughs) Sorry, guys. Damn it. Emily in for the deep dives. (laughs) And I literally. This is less than half of what those documentaries were. So I cut out a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it was very interesting and. It is is very much like a like an unsolved mystery, and I'm dying to yeah. know, like who where who did they? it?
0: Where are who done it? Who done it? Where where are they? Where are they? So, if you like this, let us know. You can email us at, at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok you just look up ill history, you're going to find us. And do we have anything else? We have a Patreon now. So yeah. give us, give us some monies.
1: Yes. And once um, we get a good list of names going, we'll do shout outs on yeah. air.
0: <laughs> and yeah, so don't steal from museums.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't do it. Just go. Observe, appreciate, yeah. buy something some, some from the gift shop, and then yeah. be on your way.
0: <laughs> Drink a glass of wine if you're oh at the Museum god. of Fine Arts. <laughs> <laughs> chug it like we did. Oh my god. I literally like <laughs>
1: another Boston story because we're just <laughs> full of hijinks. Um the three of us, Emily, myself and our friend Corey, were at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And there's this one part where they had, like, this little wine cafe. And we're like, yes, let's get a, a cup yeah, of wine.
0: We're going to be, like, classy. Yes. Right?
1: And so we're, we we're we're sipping our wine and we're chatting. And then we think behind us there is this exhibit of, like, lights. And so I look at Emily in the eyes and I said, what if we chug this wine and get really drunk and go look at the lights? And she looked back at me in my eyes and she said, I've never loved you more than I love you right now. And we pounded <laughs> our wine back and then ran to what we thought was a light exhibit. It was not. Uh, but we still had a good time. And then I saw the biggest painting I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And I was like,
0: ah! It was so big. It was like, what, two stories tall? I think it was huge. More than that, I think.
1: I don't remember. I'd like to
0: see the thieves try to steal that fucker. <laughs>
1: My god. <laughs> it, was like, it was like forty foot tall painting. It's huge. Gosh, I would have to get. I would have to dig through a lot to find it. But yeah. it was a very big painting. I think it was of a saint. A baptism. I'm not sure.
0: I thought someone was dying.
1: I think I think it was a baptism.
0: I'd have to look. Oh, we're having two totally different memories of what that
1: was alright I'm going back to it
0: okay I really thought it was of someone like
1: I mean it was definitely like not a very happy painting for sure
0: oh yeah here it is there it is yeah okay someone was straight. someone was dying
1: maybe yeah uh, I'm trying to zoom in to see if I can see the name I'd say happy. it's like two and a half story tall painting maybe
0: I don't know It's huge. Anyway. So don't steal shit. And if you do, give it back.
1: Yeah, don't. Well, how about we just don't steal you guys?
0: Yeah, especially 360-year-old art. Because that's rude as hell. Yeah, please don't. So, um... Okay, bye!